had to stop teaching, get treatment for cancer. The treatment didn't work, and the Lord called her home at the end of December. And I walked with her family and our church family and my own family through grief. And we celebrated her life at a memorial two months ago. And we grieved and we mourned together. And so when I read through John chapter 11, and I hear words of death and grief and pain, it's still raw for me, as you can tell. And so I really didn't want to come and cry in front of a bunch of college students, people I don't know, and strangers. I didn't want to rip open the wounds of grief. But sometimes in life, we don't get what we expect. John chapter 9, a blind man is healed, and the Jewish leaders are upset with Jesus. John chapter 10, in Jerusalem, Jesus claims that he's God. They pick up stones because they're going to kill him and stone him to death. He escapes their grasp. He travels 25 miles across the other side of the Jordan, walking in sandals. That's a long way to go. And then John chapter 11 is our text for this day. And Jesus, he's really good friends. With Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they're like family to him. They live in Bethany right next to Jerusalem where Jesus was almost stoned to death. He loved them like family. Something happened to Lazarus. He got sick. He got terribly sick. And so Mary and Martha, the sisters, send a message 25 miles by foot to Jesus on the other side of the Jordan. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, let's go back there. And the disciples say, The Jews just tried to kill you there. And you want to go back into that hornet's nest? Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. I'm going back to wake him up. And then Thomas, who always gets a bad rap for being the doubter, he shows courage and he shows bravery. And he says, let's also go that we may die with him. And Jesus and Thomas and the disciples, they're ready to go straight back into the thick of it all, straight back into the midst of danger, straight back into violence, straight back into it for the ones that they love. And so Jesus and his crew, they get mile after mile after mile. They're getting closer, closer to Jerusalem, closer to Bethany and Martha. Martha hears word that he's approaching, and she goes out to meet him. And she says, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Mary comes up next. She breaks down. She falls down at his feet. She says the same thing. She says, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And if you've ever experienced grief, you know exactly what they're talking about. It's the if onlys. If only, God, you had done this. If only, God, you had been there. If only, God, you would have saved them. Sometimes in life, we don't get what we expect. And we say, if only, God, you would have. Jesus saw it. He saw the pain. He was deeply moved in spirit. He was troubled, and he was angry. You ever been angry when someone has died? He was angry, furious at death and what it did to Martha and to Mary, what it brought. And then he looked over, and he saw the tomb where Lazarus lay, and he wept. Jesus, the Lord of the universe, burst into tears. And you see, up to this point, this story sort of resonates with us. It sort of resonates with our culture. We're cool with Jesus who kind of grieves with us. We're cool with the sort of Jesus who's angry at death like we are. 
And we're down with the Jesus who's willing to risk danger, violence, even death, to be with the ones that he loves. But then Jesus takes it up to a whole nother level. He takes it beyond culture. He takes it beyond our humanity and being utterly and deeply moved. He commanded them. He said, move that stone away from there like you're crazy. What are you talking about? And then with a shout of raw, pure authority in grief and in anger and in love and with all of the power of divinity, he says, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man rose and came out of the tomb. Lazarus was alive. Sometimes in life, we just don't get what we expect because of that unprecedented miracle. Many of the Jewish people, they came to believe in Jesus. They came to entrust their entire beings to Jesus and the words that he said to Martha. John chapter 11, 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, the one who entrusts themselves to me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Jesus said. You see, my friends, that, that is the stuff of faith. That's where culture ends. That's where God begins. That's where it takes miracles. It takes miracles to believe someone who would say something like that and claim to be something like that, to entrust yourself to something like Jesus, someone like Jesus. I'd argue that many of you you and I, we've experienced those sort of miracles. We haven't seen Lazarus raised from the dead, but we have experienced the miraculous in our lives. We experienced the miraculous in our baptism. We experienced the, uh, the miraculous when we journeyed through God's word and it's spoken to the depths of our heart. We've experienced the miraculous when we've taken the Lord's Supper. We experienced the miraculous even here today gathered as God's people. One of the most powerful ways we experience the miraculous is through God working through sinful people like you and like me. I experienced it in my friend's, Linda's life. At her memorial, we read from Psalm 23 that says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. You are with me. You are with me. The Wednesday before Christmas, a week before Linda died, I celebrated the Lord's Supper with her and with her family. And I asked her, I said, how are you and, how are you and Jesus doing? Are you mad at him? Are you angry at him? Are you afraid? And I think I was asking those questions because I was mad, I was angry, I was afraid. And I will never forget it for the rest of my life. The presence of the Holy Spirit working through the body of Christ in Linda Warnicky. She said to me, no, 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 Michael. And she grabbed my hand. She interlocked her fingers with mine. And she said, it's like this with me and Jesus. It's like this. He is with me. I am alive. If Linda were here today. Maybe you could listen to her as a young college student. There she is. I think she'd say to you in the room here today that Jesus 
He's calling you out of the tomb to life, to real life, to full life, to come out of your tomb of grief, to come out of your tomb of depression, to come out of the tomb of loneliness, to come out of the tomb of safety and security, to come out of the tomb of materialism and affluenza, to come out of the tomb of anxiety and fear, to come out of the tomb of perfectionism and individualism and insecurity disguised as elitism. To come out of the tomb of success. To come out of whatever tomb it is that you're in that's suffocating you to death. Linda would say, come out. Jesus is calling you out to life. To live. See, sometimes in life we just don't get what we expect. Sometimes we get so much more. And my friends, in Jesus we always get more. We get resurrection, we get power, we get life, we get a new identity, we get a community, we get to experience the miraculous and the divine. And that's what Jesus wants for you. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, and you may have it to the full.